So my ministry is in talking to people in the kink scene, LGBTQIA folk, anybody who's been marginalized by the church or by religious bodies over their life. I worship your holy My ministry is to those people in saying, hey, you matter. God loves you. Fuck the church. It's talking a load of bollocks. Hey, hey, hey. Welcome back to Spank You Next, a fetish and BDSM podcast with your lovely hosts, Anna and Gregor. This is the Kinky Podcast for Kingsters and the Kink Curious, where the two of us sit down with a sex-positive expert to talk about their special topic. And we've had loads of different topics in the past seasons, and we're here to bring you a new one. Of course we are. We love it. We love it. We love it. <laughs> so how's it going, firstly, Gregor? Because as people may know, if you've listened to the podcast before, we both work for Fetish.com, an online kinky platform to chat and play and date. And we're heading to Tampa, Florida, or it's St. Petersburg, Florida, St. Petersburg, Florida, actually. So we I don't quite know the difference yet. We'll have to find out. So we are taking Fetish.com and this very podcast to FetishCon in Florida. We're already super excited because um, this very night at uh, three in the morning, we have to take a taxi to the airport and then we, we have a super early flight and... I'm so excited, but I'm also a bit stressed. I just hope everything goes well. Yeah, we basically have a bit of an issue that we're flying from Barcelona where we're based and we're going to Zurich and then we're going to Zurich to Tampa, but there's a very small window to make our transfer. So actually, maybe we'll just make it to Zurich. We'll see, we'll see. And you can see it as well. Just follow us on Instagram at Podcast to be with us on our trip to Tampa, Florida. And um, here I have a special request for all of you listeners. If you're listening to us on Spotify or Apple Podcast, take your phone now and uh, rate us. Tell us what you think. And only rate us if it's five star, obviously. If, don't bother if not. So, so anyway, let's get into today's episode. Today's episode. We have Victoria Bliss with us, who we've actually worked with for quite some years, who is an erotic author, an erotic writer, a blogger, and all over smut queen. And also, she's also a reverend. She is a reverend. That's kind of, that's the wow when we kind of, um, we've known for quite a while, but that, that really stuck out. So we'll talk to her about her work as a writer, about her involvement in King, and how she combines religion and BDSM. It's not one you think goes together, is it? Yeah, but she she really talks about how she makes it work with the community and how she spreads God wor- God's works between you dirty kingsters. Yeah, even you can be saved, don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, so she got ordained by a minister at Manchester Pride, which I love this story. And she never lost her faith, but the church has shunned her along the way because of her kinks and what the 
you know, the church community think of being down and dirty in BDSM, but she's finding a way to worship both. Yeah, as the church usually does with all sorts of people. And I think kind of there's this saying, you know, if you're not somebody the church would have burned a couple hundred years ago, are you even alive? (laughs) Right. So I think without further ado, we'll just get into the episode and let Victoria make you laugh, make you smile, because she's super great. Perfect. Let's get in here. Hello, Victoria Bliss, otherwise known as Reverend and Queen of Smut. Welcome to Spank You Next. Tell us a little bit about yourself and your erotic writing journey, and I guess generally how you got into kink. Hello, it's very nice to be here. Yep, I'm Queen of Smut, Reverend to the Kinky, and all-round smut peddler. I have been writing erotica for something like 20 years now, so all my kink early on was in my head and written down as the form of erotica but through trying to sell my books I ended up going to various different events and that actually led me into the BDSM and kink scene about six years ago. Oh wow so it kind of started in your head as fiction and then became reality. Absolutely yeah I mean I've never had led a vanilla life per se me and my husband have always been a little bit kinky but not to the extent of what I was writing in my fiction. In Manchester there used to be an event called the Alternative and Burlesque Fair and we used to have a stall there. One of the things we run is the erotic tombola so I will explain. So it's a set of different prizes that all have numbers on them and then we have a drum that is filled with raffle ticket numbers You take out a certain number of these, and if your number matches one of the prizes, you win it. Amazing. These happen all over the UK in, like, schools and churches, but with, like, things like (laughs) bottles of wine and teddy bears and soaps that you don't want. But ours has sex toys and lube and condoms and weird little sweets and toy things because we're all adults and grown-ups, really. That would be way better than most of the church fairs I've been to. Just like some perfumes no one wants. When you said these happen all over the UK in churches and schools, (laughs) I literally thought we were talking about kinky. Yeah, no, no, I I believe we are the only kinky erotic tombola. I think normally the tombolas are very much more PG. I think so. I think so. So you met you met people there? Yes, we met people there who were active on the Manchester scene and got invited along to what is now my home dungeon, I suppose, Miss T's in Stockport. And once I went to one event, that was it. I was hooked. Tell us about your first event. So it was a very eye-opening experience because (laughs) I had no idea what I was expecting. Like, I built up in my head, like, some kind of fictitious what a dungeon will look like. And then I walked into what essentially can be described as your nan's living room. Uh, I was not expecting No, I know. But the social space at Miss T's is basically full of sofas, little tables, and it's very cosy and comfy. Then you go through another door and then you're into an actual dungeon with all the furniture and whips and things hanging upon the walls. So, you know. 
<laughs> I wanted to ask you because you've been writing for far more time than you've experienced King. Uh-huh. So how was it? Was it really different from what you were writing about? Was it more, I don't know, awkward in the beginning, uncomfortable because it's always more human if when you do it in person? Do you know, it was probably a hell of a lot easier in person than I'd, I've ever written it to be. Oh, okay. Um, yeah. it, it's literally just normal people. I know this is shocking to you, but literally just normal <laughs> people sitting around having conversations and then going, oh, shall we go and try this out in the dungeon? And it just been very natural and not at all that kind of scary sort of premeditated something that I, I expected from my fiction. In some ways, I think I did okay when I was writing purely fiction. In other ways, I realized that I did have some of the details incredibly wrong. Um, <laughs> Give us examples. Tell us which, yeah, yeah, tell us which details. So for, so, for example, when I was writing, I would say that a certain number of hand spanks would be incredibly painful, but like a really low number. Now I know in reality that's that's not quite right. And that there's only certain ways that you can be hit with a cane, which again, you can be hit in many different ways and it don't all hurt as much as each other. Also, I always had an idea in my head that it would have to be a very one dom, one sub, you were together and that was it kind of situation. That's what I wrote in all my fiction. Whereas the reality of the scene is a lot of people are playing with multiple different people. It's not always a strict DS thing at all. Some some people who like to bottom aren't submissive in any way, shape or form. There's a lot more diversity within how you can play and what BDSM actually is in the real world than I ever imagined in my little fictitious world. So if you're in a scene with several people, how do you manage things like consent? How do you communicate? Because it seems also it seems a bit messy if there's so many people. Oh yeah. So generally before a scene where there's a lot of people, I will make sure that they know one, that I have a health condition that means I need to have my asthma stuff by me and that I might need to use that part way through I'll let them know that if I say no that means no I don't do safe words that's interesting well I haven't had a need to because if I say no I mean no <laughs> in all the yeah. situations I've been you in. don't say no like in a sexy no no no, no. you say no like fuck off yeah exactly exactly although fuck okay. off is not no Generally, no. That's 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 no he's doing no. it. Yeah, only no is no. Only no <laughs> is no. <laughs> okay. Anything else, I'll I'll probably be all right for a little bit longer at least. Okay. So we establish all that at first. Check what kit people are using, so they'll show me what they're planning to hit me with, etc. And I can either go yes, 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 or no. Take that away. You're not going near me with that thing and stuff like that. So we establish how everybody feels about what's going on and they're basically because i'm generally the bottom in this situation i let them sort it out between them talking about this because i also have the feeling that a lot of time especially online people have other ideas about how a kink scene can develop and mm -hmm. stuff so what advice would you give people who kind of really kind of want to experience want to get into kink and maybe are kind of really horny at home and writing and are planning to meet up so always remember that what you talk about and fantasize about 
in written words might not actually be exactly what you want or what you're going to get from a real life experience. And it's always important at the beginning of any real life experience to have a conversation about what you're expecting. So even yeah. if you've done this scene a million times online, you need to sit down with the person you are with and make sure they know where the boundaries lie before you begin. If you're beginning, if you're a newbie, I mean, I know when you're an established couple, those things can slide a little bit more and you can do things off the cuff. But when you're brand new, it's really important to have those conversations straight in. Yeah, absolutely. I'm also wondering, you're married, right? Yes, I am. You and your husband, did you find kink together? Was it like a couple journey? Uh, Yes, we did. We both went to our first event together and we go to a lot of things still together. However, we've discovered that our kinks are diverse. So, for example, my husband really likes needle play. I don't get anything right. at all from needle play. Yeah. I like very heavy impact play. My husband doesn't like to do that. We were monogamish before we came on the scene. Neither of us were totally opposed to the other person flirting with somebody else for example or whatever but when we got on the scene it made us talk seriously about becoming poly because we both had different needs and wants that we wanted to try out and actually it's worked really well for us because that's great we it's cemented what we've got but we can both go off and explore other things as well yeah was that was there a difficult moment there because we talked to a lot of people in the scene yeah. who a lot of the time poly because like you say you can't get all the play you want from one partner uh-huh. often. true in vanilla relationships too probably so was there this transition moment where you had to have a lot of conversations about what can happen yeah what can't happen? yeah very early on when we first got on the scene and we were sort of working out exactly what we were going to do there were some conversations because naturally jealousy can crop up and the only way you can deal with jealousy is to communicate about it and see what you can do about it so we had a lot of conversations around what we were going to do to mitigate the feelings of jealousy we've got a very open relationship I know some people have very precise rules like no sex with anybody but the primary or stuff like that mm-hmm. or specific yeah, things. Yeah, there, there's loads of rules. Yeah, yeah, yeah. but we don't have that. We work on a kind of rolling basis as to what happens with our partners is between us and our partners and then our relationship together is our relationship together and we just keep communicating, letting each other know where we're up to and how we're feeling and then if anything comes up that's a bit sticky... We talk about mm. it. For how long have you been poly? So the same time as we've been on the scene, pretty much. So about six years. Has it enriched your relationship? Absolutely. Absolutely, it has. Because I think we've always probably known that we couldn't get everything we wanted just from each other. And that in no way means that either of us are, are lacking in anything. But it's just our natures. There's a lot of us that line up 100%. Like, I wouldn't want to live with any other person. I love living with my husband. And we have a lot that goes together. But we also have a lot that diverges away from each other. So finding ways to play and experience those ends of the spectrum means that we're both much happier when we have the time together and in what we're doing together. 
I think that sounds really nice because me and Greg will have talked about this uh-huh. and I'm in a long-term relationship and not Polly. Uh-huh. And the idea of it seems just more stress rather than not understanding the reasons for doing it because mm-hmm. I've also had friends who have done it and it seems stressful but it's really nice to hear from someone who it's actually just enriched the relationship and strengthened it. I think any relationships can be stressful if they're not the right one for you you know stress happens some people work better with monogamy some people work better being poly it's literally just a case of finding out which one works for you we're all just trying stuff out and trying to find our little niche and what works for us do you think the world is changing in terms of seeing monogamy as the only option? I, because I think this is a conversation a lot of people are having now in their relationships. Yeah, I believe it is slowly becoming something that is an option, not just a sexy fantasy. Because there is a, a lot more discussion about things that are different than the inverted commas norm when i was young you were expected to be straight you were expected to get married you were expected to have children those expectations are not the same today as they were in the 90s Forgive me, Father, for I have sinned. That's putting it mildly, 007. Victoria, tell us, so you were writing, you Mm -hmm. ended up in the kinky scene. Mm -hmm. How did your writing connect you with the kink scene in Great Britain? So my writing took a a very different route once I got involved in the scene because the fictional fantasy side of things started to roll back a little bit and I started to write actual real life accounts of what I have been doing. I stepped into the world of sex blogging, which before that point scared me to death. Raw and honest. Absolutely. Compared to like hiding behind some characters that I was writing on a page. But it is very, very rewarding. And for me, writing is actually quite often a necessary part of a scene. It's almost an aftercare thing for me. Not every single scene, because some scenes I know what's happening and I've got a handle on it. It's all cool. Other scenes, something different or unusual happens or it might be a new partner or I might suddenly have a click of revelation about why something feels this way or what emotions I'm feeling. Writing it down afterwards to capture those moments is a way for me to process what happened during the scene it's like kinky journaling absolutely i just happened to put it out for the world to see as well yeah at the at the center of my writing journey is the fact that i am an exhibitionist on the page and i want people to read my words and i i kind of like it when people tell me they like what they've read so there's a whole thrill in putting it out there for people as well I really like that you managed to explore all of this within your marriage because I imagine a lot of people struggle with this because they they don't know how to talk to their partner about this, especially when you're new to something and when you're just trying something out. And Yeah, we have a quite a few people on fetish.com. Like I get quite a lot of message from people saying, oh, you know, my wife's vanilla or my husband's vanilla and I have all these fantasies and now I'm here. 
Yeah. And sometimes I guess they're doing it behind their backs, which is not great. But sometimes they say, oh, I've been given the permission. They don't want to explore this and I need to explore this now. Yeah. So it's great that you could do that together. We've always been very open with each other. And I think that's been the key to the enjoyment and the satisfaction that we've got from, well, all sorts of things in life. And that realisation that we don't have to be everything for each other. You know, the romantic kind of, you find your Prince Charming happily ever after, you know, you are two pieces of the same puzzle. It's not quite how that often happens in real life. No. Well, yeah, the the difficult thing is that's how we are raised. (laughs) From childhood onwards, they teach us these stories and then we are really just disappointed. Absolutely, where we're sort of searching for this fairy tale that never exists. Because any relationship takes some work, you know, a lot of work. And, and that's that's a reality. It's not a problem. It's not your relationship is failing if you have difficult emotions that you need to talk about. It's just part yeah. of two people combining their lives. Tell me if I get this right. I think... This might not be because of the kink element, but usually people who are into kink are more connected with themselves. They are better at communicating what they want, how they feel, and that makes better friends. Yeah. It's just a more welcoming bunch of folks. It absolutely is. I mean, I'm Christian, so I've been in churches since I was tiny. I have been in a world where it's supposed to be very welcoming and loving, but I have never actually experienced a community that is as welcoming and loving as the kink community. You've just said you're Christian, but you're not only Christian, you're also a reverend. I am indeed. Tell us about this. So my being a reverend and refreshing ministry, it is not what most people would probably think of as being a reverend. So I don't have a church where I go on a Sunday. I don't have a, a flock that I minister to in the way that most people would think. My ministry is with the community I am in. So my ministry is in talking to people in the kink scene, LGBTQIA folk, anybody who's been marginalised by the church or by religious bodies over their life. My ministry is to those people in saying, hey, you matter. God loves you. Fuck the church. It's talking a load of bollocks. You are as legitimate a Christian now when you've come out as gay or you've come out kinky as you were before you don't have to hide away like absolutely god knows who you are i mean that's like the center point of our fucking faith is like god knows you as you so he already knew and i will use all sorts of pronouns for god he they she because you know who knows and they're quite happy with you how you are so my ministry is in working with people around me i let people know who i am and that they can talk to me about this stuff and i'm trying my best to right some wrongs that have been done historically and make people feel more welcome. Welcomed and connected. Exactly. I'm wondering, obviously, people have quite bad experiences of the church, for example, being gay or Mm -hmm. being out about your sexuality Mm -hmm. that doesn't confine to the baby marriage thing. Mm -hmm. Has that ever put you off or challenged your faith or was it stronger than that and just that church setting did not suit you in that form? 
my faith has always been stronger than that because it's very personal and I've always realised that it's a very personal thing and that everybody experiences it in a different way. Way back when I was young and I didn't know better, I probably did subscribe to the I'm a Christian and therefore I am better than everybody else because that's part of the faith. But actually... That's what they teach that's you. That's what yeah. they teach you. It's literally what they're teaching you. But now I've, I, I am older and wiser. I think there are many ways to be connected with the divine, not just my own. And however you do it is a good thing for you. I did have a negative, an especially negative experience with a church that I used to be in when I was just writing erotica. I don't quite know what the vicar would do now, knowing what I do now. But I accidentally accidentally outed myself to the vicar at this church because when I was writing I kept it all on the down low kept it away from church but I had a like a little sig signature on the end of my email emails yeah which I would take off if I was emailing the vicar and one time I did not uh, what did, and they he he I yes, assume he. so he wanted me to come and have a conversation with him about this and, uh -oh. oh, I know. And he pretended, I'm going to say pretended because it was definitely pretended, to be supportive of me and was like, well, you can you can continue here. How nice of him. Doing what you're doing. I'll just check in with you every now and again and, and see where you're up to with this. And I was like, all right, we'll see what's going on here. So later down the line, I was a school governor as a representative of the church. Uh, so the church had elected me as a governor at the local primary school. And when my term of office came up, they had to decide whether they would re-elect me to be a governor at the school. And during this process, my vicar decided he needed to out me to everybody in the church. What? Oh, wow. And based upon that, they decided that I was no longer able to do the position of governor at the school. Cool. So you were kind of burned at the stake, Absolutely. essentially. Hundred percent burned at the stake, and at that point, I turned around and said, "Well, thank you, but no, thank you. I am not going to be yeah. involved with your church when you've done that." the The redeeming part of this conversation, though, is the head teacher at the school loved me as a governor so much. We made it so that I could be elected as the parent governor oh. for the wow. school. So I I came back. As the parent right. governor, and I ended up being the chair of governors for a while, and the vicar was my vice chair. Oh, and it's like Legally Blonde. The revenge. Yeah. That was rather delightful, I have to say. I bet. I can imagine, yeah. <laughs> and I love that a head teacher would not see this as an obstacle to being a parent governor. Exactly. I mean, what I write... Like that you write about sex. Yeah, exactly. Who cares? Who cares? I am not taking it into the primary school with me. We have boundaries. I'm an adult. I know what's going exactly. on here. I don't understand this because obviously these parents had sex once. Exactly. I just, I just thought the same thing. It's a school. All Absolutely. the parents had sex at least once. That's the only thing people aren't saying in that room. You're all fucked and to have these kids. Exactly. And the number of parents, teachers, school staff who would ask me what my name was and where they could get my books was quite high. Oh. <laughs> So, right, exactly. Yeah. I mean, Fifty Shades of Grey was like the mum's notebook. It, Fifty Shades of Grey ago. was out whilst my not-so-little one, they're 20 now, was in primary school. So there was oh, literal right. mums turning up at the school with a copy of Fifty Shades in their handbags. 
there was this almost cultural shift that made it like so many women were just like, I'm going to read about this kind of smutty stuff and I'm not ashamed. Yeah, yeah. exactly. But because in the end, almost everybody has sex. Almost everybody fantasizes. Absolutely. Just, yeah, be open about it. And on the other side of that, it's absolutely fine if you don't. Asexuality is an awesome thing. And if that's your thing, that's also cool. Thank you for saying this. Yeah, I mean, um, we promote a lot of a lot of sex positivity, but Uh of course, I think there's also a lot of pressure in our society. Oh, there absolutely is. Always comes with two sides. What I've found wonderful about the kink community is, as well, is that there is a huge number of asexual people on the kink scene because they get something from the kink play that they don't get from the sex, and that Mm. is completely accepted and normal and. Yay, as it should be in the whole of life. Sex isn't the be-all and end-all. If you like it, you like it, grand. But if you don't, well, that's up to you. Yeah, Yeah, and people who listen to the podcast are going to be bored of me saying this, but BDSM doesn't always mean you have sex. Absolutely. And this is something that people get wrong. Actually, when you go to a dominatrix, say, as a man, people might expect that you have sex, but often that is not part of the contract. No, absolutely. For probably about three years of my scene life, I was not doing BDSM and sex at all. My BDSM play was completely separate to sex play. It was only when I found a partner where those two things connected that that's what I did. BDSM is great on its own. Yeah, maybe for like people that are new, just joining us. Uh What is it without the sex that gives you the thrill? Literally, it's it's the good old brain hormones that are doing the thing. You know, you are getting your endorphins going and that gives you great highs. But also, there's the connection with another person, the control and submission element. There's the playfulness. There's a reason it's called play, because it's playful. Yeah. You can giggle, you can laugh. You you can have a, a really fun experimental time without having to say the word sir or mistress or you know anything like you might imagine a scene to be you could just be sat around with a few hissy things and going slap at your friend and going what's that feel like and vice versa well what's more intimate for you sex or kink oh i don't know that i can decide like there's a level of kink that i would say isn't intimate necessarily for me Mm that I would be happy to do with not anyone, but yeah. most people. What, what you just described, no more this playful friendship exactly. element. Exactly. Where it's just kind of, yeah, let's just try something. Let's just try something out. Yeah. This is all fun and games. But there are other elements that I would find um, intensely intimate. Things that are hooking more into my my mind, you know, the mindfuck elements of BDSM. The physically incredibly dangerous stuff that I like to play with. Breath play, for example. Ex- yeah, extreme. That, not one to be done with everyone. Obviously. Oh, absolutely. Okay, I think this is this is a really good topic. Let's give people some advice on breath play. Loads of people are, are doing it. Lots of people are doing it wrong. Give yeah, us some and Yeah, I once posted guidelines. something about it and the backlash I got from the community for posting something promoting it. It's also got this quite yeah. controversial yes. element. Yes, it, it, is, so. it is controversial. I would say if you are able to go to a dungeon and find out from an expert, i.e. somebody who's been doing it for a long while, that's your best bet. If you can't do that, have a look online because there are resources 
that will tell you how to do this stuff safely. But if in doubt, don't do it. Like you have to be really, really, really careful. And also a lot of the breath play centers around choking and around the throat. That is the most dangerous way to do it. You can do breath play where you hold the nose and cover the mouth and it gives the same effect, but the person's much more in control and you're not going to squish anything you shouldn't squish around the throat. So that's a much better beginner's way of playing with breath play. What's a more advanced situation? So there are several different grips, but what you have to be very careful of is is that you're gripping at the side and not around the very front of the throat because you can be crushing the windpipe. Loads of people get this wrong. They always think they have to kind of push down at the front, but absolutely not. I will kill you. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. It can kill you. And so you've got to be very careful and press to the sides. There are different ways you can do it. There's a V hold where somebody can have you in the, uh, which I like because my, my, a lot of people on the kink scene call me V. So I feel like it's my specific hold where somebody holds you in the crook of their arm and pulls tight. That means you, you don't get the pressure on the center at all. You are getting it both at the sides and they are very much in control and you're tight and held close. And it yeah, feels exactly. It's really kind of off. It feels really intimate. physically close. Also, if you're not doing the choking, but being choked or playing with the breath play, you need to be aware that you're not going to be able to say anything yeah. because you have no breath. Mm. So you need to have some kind of arrangement of how to let the person know that they need to let you go. Tap can be one otherwise you can hold something in your hand and then something mm-hmm. loud so like keys or something like that so when it drops it will make a loud noise and they will know to yeah like because go. i imagine there is the risk that you could become unconscious absolutely so you need to have something that it would fall out of your hand exactly actually so and that would, would give the, the person a signal without you having to do anything whatsoever especially if you're doing breath play that involves any kind of material and stuff over your face i would never do that it freaks me freaks me out a lot but people do so you know when somebody can't see your facial expression either it's very important to have some way of being able to indicate that something is wrong as a fellow asthmatic Mm -hmm. how is that for you because i imagine a lot of asthmatics would be you know very against this idea i this is one of those things that crept up on me i thought i would never do breath play why would I voluntarily want to feel like I can't breathe? It's not fun. When you all do. It's not fun, generally. But when somebody else is doing it, it's you get a head rush, an instant yeah. head rush that is like the floatiest, subspaciest thing that I don't get from anything else. Oh, wow. Um, at all. Like, literally, breath play is the only way. I'm literally floating and away in seconds and that's why oh my god it. i mean i think you, you really make it sound <laughs> like something everybody wants to try now but mm-hmm. people out there be, be careful oh, very very careful if you want to do it do it with somebody who has experience who you kind of talk about it before and read up on it online 100 percent. don't just jump in there i mean and it's still only something i do rarely it's not something no. i do every day every week even every month it's like a special occasion and also just because that's how it affects me doesn't mean it's going to affect everybody in exactly the same way yeah yeah but i think people that are into it are really into it yeah yeah and i think it's this actual physical lack of oxygen to the brain i guess it absolutely is is. yeah literally it's switching your brain off and for me a big part of my kink is shutting 
the voice up mm. in my head for a little while. Victoria, tell people where they can find you. Okay, you can find me at victoriabliss.co.uk. That's spelt with an E. And you can find me on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, all at Victoria Bliss. And it would be lovely to see faces there. Amazing. It's been a pleasure to have you on. Thank you. It's been a pleasure to be here. Hope you keep playing. Thank you. See you soon. Okay, see you soon. Bye. Bye. Thank you. Bye. When the game on the line, you can't fold and you can't bend. Uh, gotta be playing it safe and not be going for the win. Remember back when they was doubting on the kid. Uh, now they tuned in cause my game too legit. Stayed down, remain humble and I made it work. Uh, crazy how I came out so clean from the dirt. Uh, we was using candles on the nights, the lights ain't work. Uh, we ain't never going back to that and that I merch. So this was Victoria. Yay, Victoria. How much do you love her? Uh, it was so lovely talking to her. Even after the interview, we stayed on for a bit and just chatted with her. She's um, an amazing person. Yeah. Have you guys met before? Because we've worked together, but only online. I actually met her at Eroticon in London, which ah, was really okay. nice seeing her. In the her. flesh. In the flesh. And she loves flesh. The flesh she, of Christ and she others. She loves the flesh. And also, speaking Eroticon, in our very next episode, we'll have uh, the organizer and chief of Eroticon on the podcast, uh, Molly Moore. We are. We'll be keeping in the theme of fetish cons, where we're going. So also, if you're at FetishCon in Florida, come to see our booth and we'll have a chit-chat, a glass of lemonade or something sweet, and we have lots of merch to give away. Yes, so we are really hoping to see some of you there. And with this, uh, we say goodbye for today. Keep it kinky. Keep it kinky as usual and see you for the next episode. Don't forget to subscribe to Spank You Next on Spotify, Apple or wherever you get your podcasts. You can also follow us on Instagram at Spank you Next Podcast. If you'd like to connect with people who share your kinks, sign up to Fetish.com for free or download the Fet app from Google Play Store and the App Store now. And for any one of you who is looking to deepen their knowledge of kink, head to the BDSM training school on fetish.com and enroll in a course now. And last but not least, shout out to our producer Billy Cragen, our kinky team and everyone who makes this podcast possible. Oh.